From reviews to rankings, the big picture is all things movies. From in-depth analysis of the latest flick to sit-down interviews with some of the biggest movie stars and filmmakers on the planet, Sean Fennessy and Amanda Dobbins have got you covered. Check out The Big Picture on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus. View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We're a few days out from the two-hour sit-down with Oprah for Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. We'll get to that. Also, we're going to do some more recommendations. I think we both enjoyed that last time. Hopefully, you did as well. Also, we will put our recommendations in the show notes so that you don't have to tweet us asking. Um, sorry, we didn't say before. Good idea, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's start with Golden Globes Hangover. Um, Amanda, there was a lot of secondhand embarrassment to be had, I felt, in this this show. And I was wondering how how you handled that. I don't think I paid attention for like an hour of the Golden Globes. Is Which what hour it comes did, down you, to. did you take off? I think it was like in total. And, mm-hmm. you know, full disclosure, I was watching it because, I mean, I have this job, but also because we were going to podcast on the big picture right afterwards. And I follow movies and I care about movie awards. I'm maybe the only person on earth besides Sean Fennessy who does at this point. But so I logged on for the things that I needed to know about. And then... You know, like I had dinner. I just, I was kind of doing other things. Like, frankly, whenever Schitt's Creek was on, because mm-hmm. I just, I haven't seen Schitt's Creek. And those people seem really lovely. I didn't think the Kathleen o- Catherine O'Hara bit worked, but whatever. So I was able to check in and out, is what I'm saying. And okay. I think that that maybe managed some of the awkwardness for me personally. Okay, that's good to hear. How about you? Um, I despise Zoom content. Absolutely mm-hmm. despise. I can't, yeah. I can't handle the absolute lack of rhythm in conversation. Like I, we have it enough in our day to day. And, you know, when it's just two people on a zoom or even like, you know, four people who are really comfortable with each other, like you figure it out. But I'm like, we, we all experience this. I'm not looking for celebrities to be just like us. It's only funny as a photo spread and start in us. It's not enjoyable for three hours on my 4k television. I mean, I can't tell you how sick I am of low quality on my 4k TV. And I didn't set out to buy a 4k TV. It just happened that way. They were having a good deal. It was cheap. And I'm so sick of this. I, I just, there had to have been a better way. 
I want to go back to the 4K TV in a second, but I, okay. I do want to say that I we were texting during the Golden Globes, and I had some concerns about like the technological aspects of it. It was not a well-run show from a tech and just logistics perspective. The Emmys had this much more figured out. And I texted much you, more. and you, with your production expertise had a lot of thoughts about yeah. it that go ahead and share. Like I thought really, it was valuable. It's really hard to manage that many streams and they clearly were using breakout rooms, but like the way that you broadcast a zoom is difficult and like subject to error. And all this technology is really primitive and it's not intended for television. It's like intended for Twitch maybe. And so <laughs> it's, it's hard. And so I thought they did like a pretty good job given the difficulty of it. And like, you know, it was very clearly broadcasting Zoom. Occasionally you'd see someone's name in the lower left, like, but it was like they accidentally showed you that. I felt for the production people. They must have been really, really stressed out. There's so much outside of your control. Part of a good production is like it's accounting for all the variables and doing your best to be ready. And there's so much you can't account for when people are doing this from home. I will say celebrities much better than the average person at framing themselves in their zoom shot. So like a lot of people looked good. And then the people who chose to not do that were very noticeable and very funny. Like Jeff Daniels. Right. Well, Jeff Daniels had the king of the, I'm in like the spare room that all the junk piles up in and where no one will bother me, which was great. I mean, I enjoy that detail because otherwise it does start to look like a bunch of like carefully staged hotel and Airbnb rooms, which like it does seem like most celebrities at this point are going to a third location in order to do this Zoom. It looked like Hugh Grant had gone to the Fox and Hound room mm-hmm. from um, yeah. Notting Hill. I was just <laughs> like, true. is he at the he same did. hotel? Yes. <laughs> but like a different hotel than he went to for his undoing press yes. tour with like the green couch behind it, which I thought was very nice. He's really... um but he looked very happy, even though it was 2 a.m. That was another thing. A lot of these celebrities like were in London or in Europe, and it was really late in the or early in the morning there. And I like I really enjoyed Peter Morgan in his home office in London at like 3 a.m. with his printer. All right, let's talk about Peter Morgan. Yes. Um, Peter Morgan and Jillian Anderson dated, broke up. I just learned they're back together. <gasps> they're back together. Yes, they're back oh, that's together. So exciting. Oh, I'm so <laughs> happy because when Peter Morgan won, yes. they cut immediately to Jillian Anderson. And I was like, oh, that's really awkward. And I she didn't, didn't seem know. She didn't excited, right? She yeah, like- she didn't. Again, I do think it was like 8 a.m., you know, and they'd been up all night. But oh, I'm really happy that they're back together. That's great. Well, she also thanked him. She when she won, she was like to Peter Morgan for believing that I could do this and writing it for me. And I and when I didn't know they were back together when I when I was watching, and I was like, "Huh, this seems like a really begrudging thank you." And I want to ask you, do you think they were in the same home in separate rooms and didn't want people to know they were back together or didn't want to play into that? Like what do you think their strategy was? I don't. I think that Jillian Anderson was like somewhere fancy because she had done a lot of the getting ready for the Golden Globes. And there was like a quote red carpet element to this that didn't involve a red carpet and just involved a lot of people in their very nice gowns, like kind of doing a pose for Instagram, which, you know, I I like to look at, at, at pretty dresses. I mean, at least in that sense, there was some production value and I sure. like you really miss production value. Like the literalization of we all just live on Instagram now was a bit much for me, but she 
looked wonderful and was doing that. And so I am guessing that that was at like a hotel or somewhere where mm-hmm. her like production team could be. And cause that's another thing, right? If you're at someplace that's not your home, people can like, there's more space and people can come and go. And you, from a COVID perspective, like have a bit more control. Cause I assume also that everyone's being sent a kit, right? Like with yeah. a, with a Zoom and some production or whatever, and that a lot of people are having someone else set this up for them. Yeah, um, there's a, production companies that specialize in this, so they'll send you a kit. Usually, you it, it could come with a computer, or you could use your own. And then they will they can if they send you a computer, they can like um, when you're like on the phone with Apple trying to get your computer fixed, they like take over your computer. They can do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what happened. I have to say, like I'm sure this was not as expensive as the the regular show but this probably was really expensive to pull off because if you have to do production from everyone's location and then the people who were in a hotel like i wonder if they had to do it like the day before to set it up to make sure it worked like there's just a lot of variables that goes into this stuff it's it's hard to pull off it sucks um and uh, it probably was just like really unfun to make as well i i, I thought tina and amy did a very good job as they as is their want <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they were in separate rooms on different coasts, which you and I know is is hard to do. And they were funny. I mean, one thing that really bothered me was that they didn't get the perfect like wallpaper lined up. And they were obviously going for it. They try to make it look like they're in one room. And it's like when you put wallpaper on and the two, it like meets and it doesn't perfectly sync. Yeah. And so like the texture of the backdrop behind them didn't perfectly line up on the screen. And I wondered how long they tried to make that happen before they abandoned. <laughs> I think that I don't mind like the little quirks of this is a different time. And so we're doing this weirdly. And, you know, the zoom backgrounds, like the Jeff Daniels thing is very funny and that the, the backgrounds don't quite match up. And there are other like small details that aren't total failures, but that remind you, this is a little homespun. This is like, we're doing the best we can in some ways, like the little mistakes add to like a more intimate feel to me yeah. somehow. And I was like, oh, good. We're like all here still just trying to get along. But, you know, there were really big mistakes too, like the muting Daniel Kaluuya by accident when he was the first person to win an award. And the Hollywood Foreign Press Association um, does not have any black members, as we learned in a series of LA Times reports that came out a week before the show um, and shined a light on just frankly, like, what a joke the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is. A joke is like a generous way of putting it. But like, did you follow any of that last week, Juliet? I did. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I work in this industry. I couldn't avoid it. But yeah. um, it did it did really like make me less interested in the gold and the golden gloves. Yes, it did. I was just like, this is stupid and not representative of like of who we want to be tastemakers. Cause I thought that like a lot, a lot of people pointed this out that obviously you can think the awards are stupid and they're not meaningful, but they do have a big impact on movies that get made, movies that get attention, celebrity access. access. Yeah. yeah. So there there's a financial meaningful. ramification to it yeah. as well. And I actually been think- thinking about that because Rachel Lindsay deactivated her Instagram because she was getting so much hate. And I was like, mm-hmm. not only is that like just morally terrible, but like that impacts her income. And I'm just like, that's fucked up. Yes, absolutely. Um, and the Hollywood Foreign Press Association has many problems um, and that have manifested themselves in excluding a lot of people who deserve to be there and also in excluding people from opportunity. So 
it, it did feel like that was hanging over the show. It was a very, very strange and often awkward first 30 minutes where like for 30 minutes, they tried to acknowledge everything and they sent three members out to be like, we must have black members, which like, yes, a hundred percent, but just, you know, a very t- too little, too late feel to it. And then also after 30 minutes, it was like, okay, we forgot that all of that happened. And now we're just going to do a weird Zoom awards show. Yeah. And, and listen, I watched all three hours and I watched like the lizard part of my brain also do that and be like, okay, so now I'm just going to wonder what's going on with Jason Sudeikis. And I have a tremendous number of questions about what's going on with Jason Sudeikis and the Leo Tolstoy children's book, I guess, that he reads his son. I don't know. Still haven't followed up on that. Meant to Google it. But like for me, because I wanted to know who wins and I want to know how it affects the Oscars, which for some reason I still care about. I, at some point was just kind of like, I guess I'll go along with the flow of this, but it does seem like I was the exception and Mm -hmm. like lowest ratings in, in years, like absolutely no one watched this. And it did seem from you and from other people in our lives who we talked to that most people just like, don't, didn't really watch and don't care. Yeah. And I'm like obsessed with Sasha Baron Cohen. He's like one mm-hmm. of my favorite people alive, famous and not. And so I also was like, it's a bummer to me that Sasha Baron Cohen is getting like mainstream attention. I mean, he gets plenty of attention, but he's sort of like a weird celebrity. I was like, this is not really like where I want Sasha Baron Cohen to be like cracking jokes. I was just like, not now, man. And um, he's wonderful. I check him out on Fresh Air. Um, anyway, I just, it, the whole <laughs> thing was it sucked. And I think, again, it, like, puts someone like Daniel Kaluuya in this position to sort of, like, speak truth to power instead of just celebrating his win. And maybe he would have yeah. done that anyway. But it's un- it's repeatedly unfair that, you know, Black celebrities and, and even Susan Kolechi Watson and Sterling K. Brown, when they were presenting, like, they have to use their time to be vocal about, you know, racism and discrimination and inequity when they should just be able to like have fun and enjoy this and and be celebrities. And it's just like a really unfair burden. And I think that was like pretty unavoidable. Right. And it is also unfair that if any change comes to this absolutely ridiculous organization, it's coming at a time when, as we saw from the ratings, people are just paying less attention to it. So you finally like get in the room and make some change at a moment where the institution is also waning, which is a, a kind of a pattern that yeah. we see in a lot of things and is and is really unfair. One thing I did enjoy about the show, and this like again just speaks to my own pet interests. I don't really care about SNL, but I really enjoyed the SNL alumni vibe of the show. I really okay. enjoyed um Tracy Morgan saying Sal and then Tina Fey making fun of him later and just like the feeling among um Keenan and Tracy Morgan and Tina Fey, Kristen Wiig, Amy Poehler, etc. like all the SNL people who like clearly enjoy each other and kind of I thought it was noticeable when they were interacting with each other like whether it was coast to coast that they were like having more fun with that than they were with anyone else and I thought that was like kind of cool. Since you asked, the Barb and Star bit was a real low point for me. That was like a real, I just instantly just had to mute the television. And they were introducing, I believe. A like big a, award. Yeah, two big movie awards. I think like maybe both Sasha Baron Cohen victories. And it went on forever. And I, it, it was like one of those, you start questioning your life and your choices and everything that's led you to this moment where you just like have to be in the same space. I know that there are people who really responded to that film 
I I haven't even watched it because I watched the trailer and was just like, this is the definition of not for me. But the thing that you pointed out was interesting. Um, I agree. Like, I, it was nice to see some old friends and like the old friends vibe. And there is like a communal aspect that was the original appeal of Ward's show that even in its like mutated Zoom form, I personally, like muscle memory, was glad to have it back. But it is also interesting. Like, there were a lot of memes and moments like shared on the internet mm-hmm. after the fact. And like Jason Sudeikis' tie-dye sweatshirt is, I now believe, sold out. And like, you know, it's like a running joke. And there are all these sorts of things. And so it's interesting, all the little bits that I think were definitely shared and many people who just did not watch the Golden Globes at all are aware of and are like, it definitely was kind of like in pop culturally like central on Monday and like maybe today, but no one cares about the awards show itself. And that is, I mean, that's how all culture works now. Right. That's like, we just get guests and the memes. Yeah. And you like, don't really know what's going on, but you like let something five seconds of something enjoy you know, entertain you and then you let it pass you by. It's like quite literally how TikTok is built. That's how it works. But it is interesting because I think even five years ago, people at least like did watch the Golden Globes before they memed everything. Yeah. And if you are only, if only the memes are successful, like will they have the Golden Globes at five years? If, will they have awards shows if no one watches them and they're really expensive and they don't work that well? Like, I don't know. But then where do you get your memes? That's a great question. I don't know. Um, You know, I was listening to Zoe Simmons on the Bill Simmons podcast, which was Mm -hmm. on Sunday night. They did not talk about the Golden Globes at all. Mm -hmm. They did not even talk really about television at all. And I, Mm -hmm. Zoe was like explaining all this YouTube drama that I had not heard about whatsoever. And then Vulture had like a YouTube package this week that I was enjoying because it's such like a, a world I don't really understand. And you know, the future of celebrity is like on these streaming platforms. It's on Mm -hmm. Twitch and YouTube and TikTok. And, you know, those people make, they start with memes and then they can then they yeah. go viral. It's not the other way around. So I'm kind of curious, like I'm trying to find someone to tell me like if teens are liking Ginny and Georgia and I can't find anyone because I think perhaps teens aren't watching that. I think like only moms are watching it. <laughs> okay. I wow. think like Lorelai's are watching it, not Rory's or Georgia's, not Ginny's. And okay. it's just sort of like interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense in a way. I, I told you before we started recording this weekend, I decided to try to redownload TikTok. And the reason was because Gabrielle Union, who I just, I love and I follow her on Instagram and all of her pursuits. I just, I'm like a huge fan and she's gotten really into TikTok. And so I was like, oh, I guess I'll download TikTok and see what like Gabrielle Union is up to. And if like, if Gabrielle Union can make TikTok work for her and her generation, then maybe I can work it for me. And you know what, Juliet, I couldn't, I just like, I downloaded it. I was overwhelmed and I was like, okay, so everyone has their things and I'm of a separate generation and I will just continue to follow Gabrielle Union on the platforms where I already follow her, which are like, there are like eight of them, right? Cause she's, she's doing a lot, but it is interesting that people who are, who are, who are, who are jumping not just platforms, but generations. And they're like really trying to keep up with the different iterations of celebrity. I think it's hard. I think not that many people can do it. Yeah. No, it's it's really hard. Um, I'm just feeling really out of touch. I, I think when you, uh, it's, di- it's like different now to opt out of a platform. You miss out on like a whole s- chunk of culture. Like Twitch, I'm, I'm realizing is similar. And 
that's different than like not watching a certain show because like you, you know, you used to be able to like read about stuff that was really popular. I was Googling some of the things that Zoe was talking about and no one's even literally writing about it. It just like exists and like a certain subset of living humans know about it and they discuss it with each other and they like watch the primary source document and that's like a Twitch video that's been uploaded to YouTube and they move on. So it's just really different. Yeah. I mean, it isn't, it isn't like that is true for the things that we follow. It's just like, we document them in the way that we consume culture, you know, like we have all been living in bubbles to some extent. And I think the anxiety comes when you become aware of all the things that you don't know and all the different ways they're being expressed. But I do think that there's less like blogging about online current controversies than like there used to be about like other celebrity controversies. Because like, if you, if you, I mean, words are dead. what do you say? Words are dead. Yes. But that's a, that's a big difference. If you want to that know is. about something, that it's hard it's, it's hard to like figure it out. You have to sit through a 90 minute video. That's like, might be really boring to you. <laughs> no, I'm serious though. There's, I think that's there's true. No, there's no, no cheat it sheet. Is, it is totally true. I was just like, it is a 90 minute video that's really boring to you. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like every podcast we do now comes with the realization at some point that we're not Gen Z. And yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm, I can't be Gen Z. I just have to be me. It's true. Um, and I, 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 I think Gen Z is figuring a lot of things out. So I support them and will do my best to try to understand from a distance, but not if it involves <laughs> downloading TikTok. I'm sorry, guys. It's just like too much stimuli for, for old Amanda. Um, before we move on from the Golden Globes, you just have to mention Jodie Foster shouting out Aaron Rodgers. Oh yeah. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Well, I texted you immediately, obviously. And I was just like, help me understand because, okay, so Jodie Foster won for the Mauritanian as in and the supporting actor, actress category, which she's the star or the, the female star of the Mauritanian. So I don't even get that, but whatever. She won for this movie and she thanks everyone, including Shailene Woodley, who is the actual supporting character in a very thankless way in the Mauritanian, you know? And it's like part of the, I'm thanking everybody. And then at the very end, she throws in, thank you, Aaron Rodgers. In a way that suggests that it was like a joke that she thought of at the end. I, like, it was more like, she was very surprised to win. She was there with her wife, which was very lovely. They were in like fancy pajamas. The dog showed up. It was like, you know, a, a moment. And so it seemed like she was just kind of being goofy at the end. But maybe she actually does know Aaron Rodgers. Do you think that she knows Aaron Rodgers? I think that maybe she's met him because of like press or something having to do with the movie. But I think mm-hmm. that was very much like a, a wink joke okay. of like Got knowing it. it was something to say that would be Got it. funny. That's, that's what I thought as well. But yeah. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. I mean, good, great content. Thank you for the content. Totally. Really enjoyed it. Um, I don't really care for Jodie Foster, but I was like, okay, good. A joke. We accept. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, I, that was so surprising because I just don't think anyone expected her to win um, for that perfectly okay movie wacky okay wacky uh hollywood foreign press association um just last note i i was reminded of how much i enjoyed reading jane fonda's memoir when she was giving me speech i just just wanted to mention that if you haven't read jane fonda my life so far we really recommend it yeah fantastic speech really good it's it's also just like um you know she just she does she does her own thing in a weird way and she has always has and it 
it just reminded me of many of the best parts of that book. Like when mm-hmm. one of my favorite facts about her is that she foyed herself. And um, <laughs> I forgot about that. And that's just awesome. So shout out to Jane Fonda. Congratulations. Great speech. Amazing hair. Of course, she looks wonderful. Mm-hmm. Just love Jane Fonda. There's great stuff. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewelry that makes you look like the gem sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly when it comes to style and luxury ebay gets it they're making sure the things you love are checked by experts not just any experts specialized experts real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience so when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee shop with confidence every inch stitch sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, let's move on. Um, First trailer for Megan sit down with Oprah dropped. Megan doesn't speak in it. A lot of Oprah. A lot of like forlorn looks of Megan. And Harry has one quote about um, his mental health. I don't know. We're on, we were just in a really good place with Harry last weekend, a few days ago, and I'm just preparing myself for an onslaught of, of, of a bad idea. I'm nervous as well. I'm, I'm nervous, and I, I just think that it is going to be messy, and that's not necessarily Harry and Meghan's fault. I just think, like, it's already... The way that the trailer was cut together, they're clearly going for maximum drama. Mm-hmm. Like, they're clearly... The tabloids are already up in arms. It just seems like it is going to be just uh, messy and spiteful. And the the coverage, I have no idea what they're going to say. And it just seems like maybe it would be better for everyone to move on. But who am I to say? Because if if they want to talk about their negative experience and their like mental health, they like they do have that right. And I, we all have been reflecting once again about the relationship between fame and mental health. So I give them that, but it just all seems like a lot. I think I also am not looking forward to the coverage of this, even though yeah. we'll be participating in it, because yeah. they often do enough to just like, Roll, roll your eyes at them on their own. You don't need someone to like explicate to you like 
what's annoying in a headline. And I'm just dreading the like daily mail page six pile on. And usually they just like, you know, it's obvious and, and, and whatnot, but I'm just absolutely dreading it. <laughs> it's going to be I'm dreading the coverage more than watching. I'm obviously excited to watch. Yes. Well, no, I don't know whether I'm excited to watch either. I Maybe our dread is just like, because we cover and consume a lot of this and it just has like reached a, a, a tipping point, just the amount of stuff. And it's like, oh my God, we're going to do this again. And you're completely right that the coverage will be like, like gross and unfair again. And then, you know, we got to do all of it. And I would really like to be in a place where they're just like happy in Santa Barbara and doing, you know, whatever work that they want to be doing, uh, instead of relitigating this thing from two years ago. But I guess that's not part of their process. So we will just all be in their process. (laughs) Oh man. Well, that's on Sunday night. So clear your schedule. They upped it to two hours from one. That's that much material apparently. Yeah. Crazy. We'll see. (laughs) All right. Let's do some recommendations. Would you like to go first? I guess so, though we are doing this because I just wanted to know how your slow cooker life was going. I woke up this morning and was like, I wonder how Juliet's slow cooker is. It's going pretty well. I made this lasagna soup from damndelicious.net, which I recommend. Um, And that lasted me like a long time. One thing I like about damndelicious.net is that many of the recipes like call for using um, sausage meat taken out of the casing. And so it's like very flavorful. It's very delicious. Mm -hmm. Um, This, including this. (laughs) Uh, not many, but like there's, there's several at least that I've, I've done. Um, it's good. I mean, you know, I just like get sick of the things that I make. And I feel like with a slow cooker, if you're not like having like a large dinner party, you often have like way too much than you need. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. getting through my slow cooker food was a challenge, but you know, it's good to have. And, um, this leads me to my first recommendation, which is my college roommate, Claudia, gave me a coupon to Imperfect Foods. So I tried it last week and I really like it. Um, I've been wanting to try it. Tell me I'll more. I'll give you my code. Okay. It's, it's pretty great. First of all, I'm super cheap and you save a lot of money like on, <laughs> on produce. <laughs> you do. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is great. This is so much cheaper. It's like $150 a pound for apples. Um, that and- is a, that's a good deal. By the way, I wasn't laughing at saving money, which I think is great. And also yeah. eliminating food waste, which is the the point of imperfect yes. foods and is great. I was laughing at you being like, I'm super cheap, which like, I, that's not my experience of you, but I can see how <laughs> you would think that about yourself. And I thought it was funny. Um, so imperfect foods is, um, produce that basically is like slightly off. So grocery stores reject it and it's like perfectly good produce, but like, doesn't, it's not like a perfectly waxed apple my carrots were like very jumbo, but they were, which made them great for roasting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then it's also like seasonal eating. So it's like whatever is in season. So you can't, you can't just like go to the grocery store in February and be like, I want cherries and they've come from South America. So it's also like contributing to like a local food system as well. And I really like it. Cause it's also, you know, I don't particularly love cooking, but like, I like the structure that's come from cooking and, you know, just like feeling like you're eating healthy and treating yourself well. Um, and so it definitely like, encourages you to use some ingredients that maybe you wouldn't, or then like, I'm like stuck with a bag of spinach and like, what am I going to do with this? And I have to like make all these things that maybe I wouldn't have eaten otherwise. Um, so I really like it. And then you can add things on, like you can get like ground chicken or last week I got, um, 
chicken in like a fajita seasoning and the chicken was like supposed to be intended for a restaurant but i forgot the reason why i didn't go to a restaurant and therefore it's like way better than what you can get at like a just regular grocery store so i really recommend it it's great it comes once a week you can cancel week to week if you want um and yeah i just i really enjoyed it there's another one called misfit foods that also looks good um those like basically the same type of company and yeah i i recommend it it's kind of like a nice way to also mix it up so that like you kind of get what you get and you figure out what to do with it. So there's like your own yeah. top chef challenge and yeah, yeah that's good. We s- I finally started doing a CSA oh, uh, nice. during yeah, the similar. pandemic, which is a similar thing of you have this box and now you've got to figure out how to use all the things. Um, and it's, it's been a nice challenge. It changes it. And it's also, you know, right there in the, the title community supported agriculture. So it's, it's great stuff. Shout out to vegetables. I'm excited to try imperfect foods. I'll send you my code. I'll okay. 20 bucks off. I don't have any food recommendations, though I did want to say, since someone wrote to ask about how to spell the food recommendation or one of them that I gave last time. So Amsam, which are the really lovely like Asian like meal starter kits, the sauces, it's O-M-S-O-M. And I really recommend them. Amsam, great great stuff. Okay, I'm moving on to books. That's what I got for you. I don't know. I haven't been living a very adventurous life. So I, Juliet, I texted you about this already, but it's a book called Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo. And listen, this won the Booker Prize in 2019 and was also on Barack Obama's list of the best, best books of the year. So it's not like I discovered this book. I'm very late to this book, but I read it recently and just like tore through it. Absolutely loved it. It is about, I mean, the most basic description is that it's about like a dozen, maybe 20 black women in modern London, but it kind of, really spans a hundred years because it goes through their lives. And it's kind of like an epic and non-epic form, but the way all of the characters fit together and the character descriptions um, is like just really technically accomplished and impressive. And I also just liked all these people and wanted to know more. It was like really immersive and fast reading. I super recommend it just like everybody else on this planet. <laughs> Sounds I have great. another, but are we trading? You go for it. Just okay. Drop, drop another. The other is um, uh, Mike Nichols, A Life, which is a biography mm. of Mike Nichols um, by Mark Harris, who is a wonderful journalist and who he had on The Big Picture. And I am a huge fan of Mike Nichols's work. He obviously directed The Graduate and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and most important to me, Working Girl. Uh, I just did Oprah voice there. I guess I'm getting ready. <laughs> um, but that's how much I love Oprah and also Working Girl. And, you know, but Mike Nichols also um, was a part of the comedy duo um, with Elaine May and a huge theater director and directed many more movies than the ones that I just listed and was a part of like a certain New York creative class and time in the, in the theater world and the movie world that was like feels very far away, but was like very evocative. And so not only were you learning about like his creative process and how he put together all of like this comedy and these, the theater and all of these movies. And, but there's just like great gossip and like a great sense of this New York scene and a a time that I never would have had access to. And most people would not have had access to, but definitely feels convivial and communal. Um, And, and also funny. I mean, he like collected like, horses who can know why. So a a different time, but just really thoughtful and escapist, which is not something that I would normally say about like a 600 page biography of a a director, but it's wonderful. Does it pair well with the Fran Leibowitz show on Netflix? 
I think so. Yes. It has a similar vibe, though. I think Mike Nichols was clearly a dominant personality in the way that Fran Lebowitz was, but um, he's not. He's he's being written about rather Mm -hmm. than, you know, so if you were the person who didn't like like the the extended Fran Lebowitz being like, why is it like this? Why is it like this? Then, which I I understand though. I truly loved it. Then there's a little bit more of a filter here for you. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And of course, famously married Diane Sawyer. Yes, of course. Great stuff. Love Diane Sawyer too. I feel like I haven't heard from her in a while. What's she up to? I think that she's still maybe doing interviews. I don't really know. Okay, great. Congrats to her. Hope she's, hope she's doing well. Yeah. Um, I read Beach Read over the weekend. Have you heard about that? I have, from you. Um, I read romance novels now, as previously discussed. I primarily read them on Saturday. I like to read them in one sitting. Okay. And um, um, this was interesting. It was like very much like a meta, like... It, it was like a, a meta take on the on the female romance novel, and I enjoyed it. I mean, also, again, this was like on so many lists, very highly reviewed for this genre. Um it was good. I don't know. Like I, I feel like I've, I like get to Saturday and I'm so sick of screens that I just want to read, but mm-hmm. I don't want to like really get too attached to like anything deep. I don't want to like challenge myself too hard. So like the challenge is like is in the stamina to read a book in one sitting and not to like process all of the information and not to downgrade these books at all. Like I really enjoy them, but I, I feel like that's why I've really taken to romance novels lately. You told me that you were doing this alternation and basically that you were into romance novels, but yeah, so I read can, serious books during the week and romance right. novels on Saturdays. I, I mean, God bless you, as always. Once again, <laughs> like Juliet's content diary, the people are asking for it. Amanda, I'm asking for it. Okay, but romance novels are obviously like a huge genre spanning a mm-hmm. lot of different like time periods and types of writing and like types of relationships. So have you, and it's not a genre I'm familiar with, and I feel like it's new to you. So have you it isolated is. anything that like you're drawn to in this genre? Basically anything that has an endorsement from Jasmine Guillory. I'm like, okay, okay. cool. Let's read Great. it. Yeah. Um, and she enjo- endorsed this. And then I'm also like reading more Jasmine Guillory books too. I've got a few on my, on my stack. Um, I don't know. I just, I just don't want to be challenged with like heavy ideas. I don't know. It's just okay. like such fatigue of COVID. Okay. I think that's why I've like just, and then when I find something that I like that like scratches the itch of content, but isn't, isn't like too demanding. Yeah. It's like, I just can't stop. It becomes like crack. And that's why I've watched like every popular show on Netflix. Right. Can I ask a more direct version sure. of the question I was asking you the first time around? How would you characterize the sex in the books? Um, well, I mean, like I'm still reeling from Bridgerton. Right. No, so like, that's why that's honestly why I was asking, because I know you read Bridgerton and not you, as graphic like, or as and per- I thought that, that was insightful, but like Bridgerton like really like impacted you. Yeah. And obviously has become a phenomenon. So how did these compare? Um I think the best sex scene I've ever read was in Manhattan Beach by Jennifer Egan, which is one of my favorite okay. books. Have you read that? No, but my dad sent it to me for my birthday. So that's an interesting... It's a minor part of it. It's honestly... Okay, an, thank it's, you. An incre- it's an incredible, incredible book. <laughs> it's such an amazing work of research. It's so good. If you haven't read Manhattan Beach by Jennifer Egan, I really recommend it. I, I, it's one of my favorite books ever. And, and so I would just say like that the sex scene, and I've also talked to many people about this who agree. It's like okay. a really impressive sex scene. Okay. And... Um, I won't say anything more because I think you'll like this book. Um, I wouldn't say anything's been as good as that, like as like impressive, but like certainly better than George R.R. Martin's 
sex scenes in Game of Thrones, which are like really like okay. just mechanical yeah. and uncomfortable and like just like weird. Um, I would say Beach Read is very good at describing like the feelings that lead up to like like a, like hot sex and like how like she felt in like various moments. Okay. Um, but it's not a huge part of the book, really. There's a lot of like descriptions of like how this guy wears his t-shirt and like how that makes her feel inside. Okay. All right. That was clarifying. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. You know, it's like, it's like watching a Netflix movie. It's the same I, thing. Elaborate on that. It's just like, you just, you sit down, you read it, you move on. It's just like, okay, this was entertaining. I know. It's, good. I, it's really fascinating talking about Netflix content with you because I think that you consume Netflix so content, but like you consume it the way I think most people do. And I sit there and I'm just kind of like, okay, well, how does this fit into their grand movie strategy? And what does it mean for theaters? And like, what will Noah Baumbach do next? And everyone's like, I don't care. Rosamund Pike has a bob. I'll watch it. Did you watch that movie? No. I really didn't like it, but I like Rosamund Pike a lot. So uh. I just, I don't know. I also don't want to really participate in things that are particularly popular in our sphere of the internet. I'm just like, I'm going to take some time. Uh, this is all weekend stuff. Uh, during the week is different. But like on the weekend, okay. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to read the popular chiclet from 18 months ago. I'll okay. let you know when I'm done. Okay. Yeah. I'm, anyway. I, I think there's there's less pressure in that and it's more time for you. So I respect it. I'll say my serious book this week is Jess Walter's book that came out last year. I love Jess oh, yeah. Walter's writing. It's called Cold Millions. Um, and it is a historical novel, which he has not done before. So I'm excited about it. I started it last night. It's good. I'm on book six of the Armand Gamache series with Louise Penny, everybody. Just in case people want to know, that's where I am. I, I'm great. on book six. I'm having a great time. I'll report back. That sounds great. I'm also looking forward to reading um, Trust Exercise, which I heard mm-hmm. is good. Mm-hmm. And... Have you read that? I have. I have to be honest. It was not my cup of tea. It, okay. I mean, it. many people really liked it and it received a lot of prizes. And I, I think it was just not, I maybe wasn't in the place to be reading it. I definitely re- remember reading that on a plane. Um, and it's a pretty dense, mm-hmm. um, a lot of like ideological book as well as like, you know, being a novel. And it, it was maybe just not the right place for it. Okay. Noted. Well, I'll let you know what I think. Okay. Any other recommendations? No, I think that's it. Okay. That's great. Well, we'll be back next week. Unfortunately, we'll talk about Megan and Harry be a part of the phenomenon we ourselves are dreading. Mm-hmm. Um, until then, we'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 